The Mystical City of God, The Incarnation, Book 4, Chapter 5. The Venerable Sister Mary of Jesus of Argreta, describes how Saint Joseph resolves to devote himself entirely to the service of Most Holy Mary, the behavior of Her Majesty, and other particulars of the life of Mary and Joseph. 418. The Most Faithful Joseph, after being informed of the mystery and sacrament of the Incarnation, was filled with such high and befitting sentiments concerning his spouse, that although he had always been holy and perfect, he was changed into a new man. He resolved to act toward the Heavenly Lady according to a new rule and with much greater reverence, as I will relate farther on. This was conformable to the wisdom of the saint and due to the excellence of his spouse, for Saint Joseph by heavenly enlightenment saw well, that he was the servant and she the mistress of heaven and earth. In order to satisfy his desire for honoring and reverencing her as the mother of God, whenever he passed her or spoke to her alone, he did it with great external veneration and on bended knees. He would not allow her to serve him or wait upon him or perform any other humble services, such as cleaning the house or washing the dishes and the like. All these things the most happy spouse wished to do himself, in order not to detract from the dignity of the queen. 419. But the heavenly lady, who among the humble was the most humble and whom no one could surpass in humility, so managed all these things, that the palm of victory and all these virtues always remained with her. She besought St. Joseph not to bend the knees to her, for though this worship was due to the Lord whom she carried in her womb, yet as long as he was within, not seen by anyone, no distinction was externally manifest between his and her own person. The saint therefore allowed himself to be persuaded and conformed to the wishes of the Queen of Heaven, only at times, when she was not looking, he continued to give this worship to the Lord whom she bore in her womb, and also to her as his mother, intending thereby to honor both according to the excellence of each. In regard to the other works and services, a humble contention arose between them. For Saint Joseph could not overcome his conviction as to the impropriety of allowing the great queen and lady to perform them, and therefore he sought to work ahead with such household duties. His heavenly spouse was filled with the same eagerness to seize upon occasions ahead of Saint Joseph. However he busied himself in these duties during the time which she spent in contemplation, he frustrated her continual desire of serving him, and of performing all the duties of the household which she considered as belonging to her as a servant. In her affliction on this account, the heavenly lady turned to the Lord with humble complaints, and besought him to oblige Saint Joseph not to hinder her in the exercise of humility, as she desired. As this virtue is so powerful before the divine tribunal and has free access, no prayer accompanied by it is small. Humility makes all prayers effective and inclines the immutable being of God to clemency. He heard her petition and he ordered the guardian angel of the blessed husband to instruct him as follows. Do not frustrate the humble desires of her who is supreme over all the creatures of heaven and earth. Exteriorly allow her to serve you and interiorly treat her with highest reverence, and at all times and in all places worship the incarnate word. It is his will, equally with that of the heavenly mother, to serve and not to be served. 
in order to teach the world the knowledge of life and the excellence of humility. In some of the work you can assist her, but always reverence in her the Lord of all creation. 420. Instructed by this command of the Most High, Saint Joseph permitted the heavenly princess to exercise her humility, and so both of them were enabled to make an offering of their will to God, Most Holy Mary, by exercising the deepest humility and obedience toward her spouse in all her acts of virtue which she performed without failing in the least point of perfection. And Saint Joseph by obeying the Almighty with a holy and prudent embarrassment, which was occasioned by seeing himself waited upon and served by her, whom he had recognized as his mistress and that of the world, and as the mother of his God and Creator. In this manner the prudent saint made up for the humility, which he could not practice in the works now consigned to his spouse. This arrangement seemed to humiliate him more and filled him with a greater reverential fear. In this fear he observed Most Holy Mary, always bearing in mind the treasure of her virginal womb and adoring, magnifying and praising the Lord. A few times, in reward of his holiness and reverence, or for the increase of both, the infant God manifested himself to him in a wonderful manner, he saw him in the womb of his purest mother, enclosed as it were in the clearest crystal. The Sovereign Queen, conversed with the glorious saint concerning the Incarnation, because she did not need to be so reserved in her heavenly words since he had been enlightened and instructed in the sublime sacraments of the hypostatic union of the divine and human natures in the virginal chamber of his spouse. 421. No human tongue can reproduce the celestial words and conversations of the Most Holy Mary and the Blessed Joseph. I will present some of them in the following chapters, as far as I know how. Yet who can declare the effects wrought in the sweet and devout heart of this saint in seeing himself not only constituted the husband of her who was the true mother of his Creator, but in finding himself also served by her as if she was the humblest slave while at the same time he beheld her raised in sanctity and dignity above the highest seraphim and inferior only to God. If the divine right hand enriched with blessings the house of Obedim for having sheltered for a few months the figurative ark of the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 13:14, what blessings did he not shower upon Saint Joseph, to whom he entrusted the true ark, and the lawgiver himself enshrined in her? Incomparable was the good fortune and happiness of this saint. Not only because he had with him in his house the living and true Ark of the New Testament, the altar, the sacrifice, and the temple, all left in his charge, but also because he cared for them worthily and as a faithful servant, Matthew 24:45, constituted by the Lord himself over his family to provide for all their necessities in the right time as a most faithful dispenser. Hosea 14:20. Let all generations and peoples acknowledge and bless him, let them extol his merits, since the Most High has favored none other in the same degree. I, an unworthy and poor worm, in the light of such venerable sacraments, exalt and magnify this Lord God, confessing him as holy, just, merciful, wise and admirable in the disposition of all his great works. 422. The humble but blessed house of Joseph contained three rooms, which occupied nearly all its space and formed the exclusive dwelling place of the two spouses, for they kept neither a man nor a maidservant. 
In one of the rooms St. Joseph slept, in another he worked and kept the tools of his trade of carpentering, the third was ordinarily occupied by the Queen of Heaven who was also her sleeping room. It contained a couch made by the hands of St. Joseph. This arrangement they had observed since their espousal and from the day on which they had come to this, their dwelling. Before knowing the dignity of his spouse and lady, St. Joseph rarely went to see her, for while she kept her retirement he was engaged in his work, unless some affair made it absolutely necessary to consult her. But after he was informed of his good fortune, the holy man was more solicitous for her welfare, and in order to renew the joy of his heart he began to come often to the retreat of the sovereign lady, visiting her and receiving her commands. But he always approached her with extreme humility and reverential fear, and before he spoke to her, he was careful to note in what she was engaged. Many times he saw her in ecstasy raised from the earth and resplendent with most brilliant light, at other times in the company of her angels holding celestial intercourse with them, and at other times, he found her prostrate upon the earth in the form of a cross, speaking to the Lord. Her most fortunate spouse was a participator in these favors. But whenever he found the great lady in these occupations and postures, he would presume no farther than to look upon her with profound reverence, and thereby he merited sometimes to hear the sweetest harmony of the celestial music, with which the angels regaled their queen, and perceived a wonderful fragrance which comforted him and filled him entirely with jubilation and joy of spirit. 423. The two holy spouses lived alone in their house, for as I have said, they had no servants of any kind, not only on account of their humility, but in order more fittingly to hide from any witnesses the wonders which passed between them and which were not to be communicated to outsiders. Likewise the princess of heaven did not leave her dwelling, except for very urgent causes in the service of God or her fellow men. Whenever anything was necessary she asked that fortunate neighbor, who as I have said had served St. Joseph during the absence of Mary in the house of Zechariah. This woman received such a good return from Mary, that not only she herself became most holy and perfect, but her whole household and family was blessed by the help of the queen and mistress of the world. She was visited by most holy Mary in some of her sicknesses and with her family was copiously enriched by the blessings of heaven. 424. Never did St. Joseph see his heavenly spouse asleep, nor did he of his own experience know whether she ever slept, although he besought her to take some rest, especially during the time of her sacred pregnancy. The resting place of the princess was the low couch, which I said had been constructed by St. Joseph, and on it were the coverings which served her during her brief and holy sleep. Her undergarment was a sort of tunic made of cotton, but softer than the ordinary or common cloth. This tunic she never changed from the time since she left the temple, nor did it wear out or grow old or soiled, and no person ever saw it, nor did St. Joseph know that she wore that kind of a garment, for he never saw any other part of her clothing except the outside garments, which were open to the view of other persons. Those were of a gray color, as I have said, and these alone, along with her head coverings, were the garments which the queen changed now and then, not because they were soiled, but because being visible to all, she wished to avoid notice by such strange sameness of outward appearance. 
Nothing that she wore upon her most pure and virginal body became soiled or worn, for she neither perspired, nor was she subject to the punishments which are laid upon the sin-impregnated bodies of the children of Adam. She was in all respects most pure and the works of her hands were like crystal ornaments, and with the same purity she cared for the clothes and other necessities of St. Joseph. The food of which she partook, was most limited in kind and quantity, but she partook of some every day and in company of her spouse. She never ate meat, although he did, and she prepared it for him. Her sustenance was fruit, fishes, and ordinarily bread and cooked vegetables, but of all these she partook in exact measure and weight, only so much as was necessary for the nourishment of the body and the maintaining of the natural warmth without any surpluses that could pass over into excessive harmful corruption, the same rule she observed in regard to drink, although her fervent acts of love often caused a superabundance of preternatural ardor. This rule, as to the quantity of her nourishment, she followed during her whole life, although as to the kind of food she adapted herself to the various circumstances demanding a change, as I shall relate further on. 425. In all things the most pure Mary exhibited consummate perfection, without any fault or want of grace, and all her actions both in the natural and the supernatural order reached the pinnacle of excellence. But words fail me in describing it for I am never satisfied seeing how far short these words fall of the things which I perceive and how much more excellence this sublime creature possesses than I can express. Continually I am grieved by my insufficiency and dissatisfied with my limited terms and descriptions, fearing lest I presume more than I should, in striving to do that which so far exceeds my powers. But the force of obedience inspires me with I do not know what sweet strength, which dispels my hesitancy and impels my backwardness, encouraging me to face the greatness of my undertaking and the smallness of my ability. I work under obedience, and through it I hope to make great gains. It will also serve me as an excuse. The instructions given me by the Queen of Heaven, the Blessed Virgin Mary. 426. My Daughter in the school of humility, which my whole life affords you, I wish that you be studious and diligent, and this should be your first and principal care if you wish to enjoy the sweet embraces of the Lord, assure yourself of his favor and possess the treasures of light which are hidden to the proud, Matthew 11:25. For without the trusty foundation of humility, such treasures cannot be confided to any man. Let all your ambition be to humble yourself in your own estimation and thought, so that in your exterior actions you may truly exhibit this humility of your interior. It must be a subject of confusion and a spur of humility for you and for all the souls to have the Lord as their father and spouse, to see that the presumption and pride of worldly wisdom is more powerful in its devotees than humility and true self-knowledge is in the children of light. Consider the watchfulness, the untiring study and care of ambitious and aspiring men. Look upon their struggle to be esteemed in the world, their strivings never at rest, though so vain and worthless, how they conduct themselves outwardly according to the false notions which they have of themselves, how they pretend to be what they are not, 
and how they exert themselves to obtain through these false pretenses the treasures, which though only earthly they do not deserve. Hence it should be a cause of confusion and shame to the good, that deceit should urge on the sons of perdition with greater force than truth urges the elect, that the number of those, who in the world are anxious to strive in the service of their God and Creator, should be so small in comparison with the number of those who serve vanity. That there should be so few of the elect, though all are called, Matthew 2016. 427. Seek therefore my daughter to make progress in this science of humility and to gain for yourself the palm of victory in this virtue in the midst of the children of darkness. In opposition to their pride, study what I did in order to overcome darkness in this world by the pursuit of humility. In this the Lord and I desire you to be very wise and proficient. Never miss an occasion of exercising humility and allow no one to deprive you of such works, and if occasions of humility fail you and are scarce, seek after them and ask the Lord to send them to you, for it pleases His Majesty to see such kind of anxiety and ambition in what He desires so much. For the sake of this divine complacency alone, you, as a daughter of his house, as his domestic and as his spouse, should be solicitous and anxious for acts of humility, for in this, human ambition itself will teach you not to be negligent. Observe how a woman in her house and family conducts herself in order to benefit and advance her family, and how she loses no chance of advancing it, nothing seems too much for her, and if anything, no matter how small it is, goes to loss she becomes much excited, Luke 15 8. All this is the effect of worldly covetousness, and there is certainly no reason that the wisdom of heaven be less fruitful or less careful in the gifts received. Therefore I desire you to allow no carelessness or forgetfulness concerning what so much concerns you, and to lose no occasion of practicing humility and laboring for the glory of the Lord, but do seek and strive after his gifts and draw merits from them as a faithful daughter and spouse. Then you will find grace in the eyes of the Lord and in mine, according to your desire.